podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello, pod friends. Welcome, one and all. Some months ago, amid a trade of spending fortunes in the transfer market, akin to someone coked up to their heads on Red Bull and running around the aisles and supermarket sweep, Premier League club Chelsea were reported to have bought a large stake in French club Strasbourg. Speaking at the time, racing Strasbourg chairman Mark Geller said this is an important day for racing. It is something my shareholder friends and I have been thinking about for the past two years. On the Chelsea side, Bluco, the consortium that bought Chelsea from Roman Abramovich, declared that they are committed to preserving the heritage of racing Strasbourg. This is a strategic investment which will further our presence in European football. Alongside our ownership of Chelsea, we believe it would create huge opportunities to share knowledge and expertise. Racing Strasbourg's leadership made it clear that this deal with the devil of sorts was a necessary evil for the club to take its next step in growth. The full size of the ownership stake of racing is unknown, but it is said to be a majority stake. Predictably, despite the flashy quotes from the suited businessmen at both clubs, the takeover was met with resistance from the French club supporters. Signs were aloft at protests stating Bowley is not welcome, and worse. Chelsea are keen to copy Manchester City's multi-club model and see Strasbourg as an ideal breeding ground to nurture young talents. Given Brexit, it has made it more difficult for foreign players to gain a work permit in the UK. Chelsea obviously sees the French club as an ideal waiting room for their future young stars to gain minutes and targets required to obtain a UK work permit. Manchester City, the model Chelsea are trying to copy, saw the proposed takeover of Dutch club NAC Blada collapse in the not-so-distant past amid the tension of passionate fan protests. Supporters of the Dutch club even travelled to England, hang a banner outside of the Etihad Stadium that read, Stay out of our territory. NAC is not a city group story. Bowley obviously has had success in baseball, but can it transfer to the world of football? So far, if we use Chelsea as a case study, there's plenty of reasons for Strasbourg supporters to be worried. Chelsea have splurged over $1 in the transfer market with their buy-now-pay-later scheme. They are currently sitting in the bottom half of the Premier League. To put it in perspective, if Everton were not deducted 10 points by the powers that be, they would be 4 points clear of Chelsea at the time recording. Is this a betting in period? Is it functional dysfunction? Or have one of France's famous clubs been caught in Chelsea's chaos storm that is destined to fail? So is this a master and servant relationship in the ever-changing landscape of the football world? Or are Chelsea the fuel that is required to fly the Strasbourg rocket up the league on table. So basically, will Chelsea's multi-club model enhance or hinder Strasbourg's growth? We've heard plenty from the Chelsea side in all 
manner of media reports. What about the French side of the story? We caught up with French football expert James Evans, a racing Strasbourg correspondent for the excellent Get French Football News to get the lowdown and the view of this deal from a French perspective. Enjoy. James Evans, welcome and sincere thanks for joining us on your tales and blessing us with your expertise. How are you, my friend? Please tell our listeners a bit about yourself and your love for Strasbourg. So thank you for having me on. I'm James. I I'm from England. I'm from Oxfordshire in England. Uh, but uh, I studied French and German at uni and as part of my year abroad, I was blessed with uh, staying in Strasbourg. I have to admit, before going to Strasbourg, I didn't really know much about the city um, or, you know, all the people that live there. But over my time there, I spent about a, a nine months there. Um, I, you know, I, I'm, I've always been a football fan and I kind of fell in love with, with the sport there. Uh, and uh, the club, and that was, yeah, back in 2019. Love at first sight, James. Exactly. (laughs) I'm sure you know more about the city than a certain American man by the name of Todd Bowley. So, (laughs) a nice segue. (laughs) How how is life, my friend, from a Strasbourg perspective so far, living amongst the Chelsea pyramid has much changed. So since Bluco Todd Bowley's come in, definitely you can definitely see similarities with Chelsea. That's for sure. Uh, he's running it in much the same way. You know, uh, the signings are, are young, even more so than Chelsea. I'd say like Chelsea have this uh, so-called under twenty-five policy. With Strasbourg, it's been more like under twenty-one. To be honest with you. Uh, looking at, you know, breaking transfer records left, right and centre for Strasbourg. I think before this season, the record was 10 million euros, something like that. Um, And straight away, uh, Bowley's gone and spent 20 million pounds on a centre-back and, you know, know, a double pickup from Bordeaux for, you know, reported something between 10 and 15 million for for two young French talents. yeah, I mean, it's it's sort of, for the first time in a while, Strasbourg look like they're looking outside of France for for younger talent, I guess, and um, looking away from its own academy, which has produced some talent over the years, like uh, Kevin Gamero, Morgan Schneiderlin, players like that. But yeah, they seem to be looking outside rather than within the, the region for, for talent. And a big name manager now, Patrick Vieira. Is he conjuring functional football at this early stage? Um, so far, uh, we we would say no. Uh, it's not been it's not been great. Um, I know you know he had mixed success at Palace and then got 
you know got sacked and then they brought Roy back um but yeah when he was before he was at Palace when he was at Nice he wasn't particularly you know famed for his his amazing attacking football at Nice and uh I don't think uh, if you ask someone from Nice they they have fond memories of the time with with Patrick Vieira but um yeah no I think um a large proportion of the fan base is already calling for Fiera out as as well as, you know, looking towards the ownership. Because I think uh, as opposed to, you know, someone with a bit more, you know, vision of what, you know, what style of play needs to be, what would be successful with the players we have and the players we brought in. But um, yeah, it's, it's not looking too promising under Patrick Fiera. As you say, in front of goal, really mm-hmm. seems to be a problem, doesn't it? They've only mustered mm-hmm. 14 goals from 15 Liga on games. Only Le Havre and Claremont have scored fewer. And then defensively conceded 20, the same as <laughs> high-flying Monaco. But, of course, Monaco mm-hmm. are scoring for fun. What is it? Is it the transition in the final tour? they are just tootless in attack. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah, no... Um, Going forward, it's definitely been a little bit of a problem this year. Um, I mean, Gamero, he's like 37 now, I think, 36, 37. You know, we all thought it was going to be his last season last year. And then, you know, he got another year extension. It's like, you know, is it is it time? Is it time to go? And then, of course, we've lost uh, Habib Diallo to uh, the Saudi League. Um, that was pretty late on in the window. I think a couple, maybe even just in the last week of the window, he we was lost great him. Last season, he honestly, he? he was unbelievable, unbelievable player. Um, definitely uh, deserved, you know, a big money move. Whether to Saudi was the right career move for him, I know he's, you know, in his late twenties now. Um, you know, good on him for getting the money, I guess. But you know, he could have. I, I think he could have done a decent job for, you know, a Europa League team easily. Uh, you know, even, you know, you look at maybe he could have been sat on the bench for Chelsea, uh, possibly. But um, no, he went to Saudi. And then we brought in, uh, you know, really, really young players to go, to go up front. It's a lot. It's a burden on them. Um, you know, I think uh, we've got uh, Omega. He's, you know, 20 We've got a few uh, a few wingers. What well, one on loan from Chelsea? Angelo, he's eighteen. Uh, another nineteen-year-old winger on. You know, it, it's not you know an experienced attacking line besides Kevin Gamero, and you know it's throwing them in at the deep end. Is, is it seems a little bit you know like oh you you know you could see this was going to happen yeah. but that youthful abandon it, it's almost mm-hmm. reflected in the away record isn't it just a one mm-hmm. win away from home yeah i mean, i mean we've we've had a lot of draws this season and i think you, it, it would be fair to say that some of the draws were lucky and some of them you know we go away thinking ah oh, you know if only we'd uh you know, put another chance away. It could have been different. Um, but it's, yeah, away from home's not been brilliant. And considering the, the, the length that people have to travel in France to, to go to away, I know there's, you know, there's not much of an away culture like it is in, in the Premier League, in, you know, in the English pyramid, like 
it's it's normal to see clubs with like less than a hundred fans on away journeys unless it's like two or three hour drive away but yeah the you know the distances fans have to travel in france is is huge especially to, for yeah. strasbourg isn't it James? yeah Not a lot of people yeah. understand how sola mm-hmm. romola is compared to a lot of the other clubs in the top division yeah so i think now now Metz is back in the in Liga. It's a, it's a little bit uh it, that's the closest club they the Metz and Strasbourg are the main rivals, you know, the derby of the east. Um but yeah, Strasbourg being right on the border with Germany uh for anywhere that is like in the far west like Brest or Rennes clubs like that. That's easily, you know, over a thousand kilometer round trip. On the south coast, you've got Nice and Marseille and Montpellier uh, and Toulouse as well down in the southwest. Uh, that's, you know, another thousand kilometer round trip. Um, and, you know, for, for midweek games as well, that can easily be two days off work for like a, yeah. you know, for a trip, possibly more. Um, Do you think maybe this catchment area, as you mentioned, on the border with Germany, do you mm-hmm. think this made Strasbourg an attractive proposition for Chelsea? Um, I'd say so. I think the the main attraction uh, when Bluco were looking to invest in in France, particularly, is that you know the the French talent. You look at the French under twenty one, under nineteen national teams. That you know some of the best players in the world can't get into the French senior team um, just because there's there's already so much talent there um i i think uh bluco were looking at either bordeaux or strasbourg um and both of us last season had a bit of a bit of a hard time in the league uh, bordeaux ended up getting relegated strasbourg didn't and i think that's why over the summer they went for strasbourg instead of bordeaux uh you know league on being a little bit more attractive than a league Deux club um yeah, the the talent between Germany, uh, the the you know the southwest of Germany and the the Alsace region, it, you know I think that could be could have been an attraction for for Todd Bowley and the club. And your club president Mark Geller, former player and part of the Strasbourg story, where your beloved mm-hmm. club climbed up the divisions from the fourth tier. Has he lost some of his legendary status with supporters with this deal with Bluco happening on his watch? Yeah, so um, I'd say, yeah, obviously a massive legend of the club for what he's done. Um, in the early days, it was it was him and his brother, and then I think his brother took a little more uh, of a back step into into the you know the back workings of the club. But you know, Mark Keller stayed; he stayed the president. He's some say he's you know sold out a little bit, sold a little bit of the identity that he knows is so strong because you know he grew up in the area uh, back you know back in the seventies and eighties in Strasbourg's. Um, you know, glory era, the the only league title we've ever won uh, in the in the top division of France. You know, he was there when he was a child when that happened. Um, yeah, and and then there's other. Yeah, he's sold out basically, and um, he's not. You know, he's seen what happened last time we had American investors. Um, it went a bit sour 
in the in over over a couple of year period, which ended up causing the money problems, which caused Strasbourg to go bankrupt in uh, 2011. Um, so yeah, it's sort of like he's not learned from previous mistakes made by previous club presidents. Um, and I think uh, especially the ultras, they're quite vocal about the fact that you know Todd Bowley is not welcome in our club. And uh, should he ever turn up to a game, um, you know, he best be quiet about it because you know he's not he's not welcome and the, the ultras have been known to um you know make not not violent attacks but you know protest against club presidents who they don't like uh, in previous years um yeah as you said he hasn't appeared yet uh, Todd Bowley has any Chelsea players or anyone linked to Chelsea being seen in the stands? Um, not in the stands. So there was loads of talk over the summer about, you know, Chelsea low knees. How many low knees are we going to get? How many low knees are Chelsea allowed to send? And eventually we've we've only actually got one player on loan from Chelsea, Angelo Gabriel, 18-year-old Brazilian winger that they signed from Santos in the summer. Um, you know, there was talk about whether Conor Gallagher, who was out of favour last year, was going to, you know, make a name for himself in France uh, on loan with us for a season. Turns out, you know, he's more than capable to be a you know, Premier League starter with Chelsea. He's doing amazing this season. Uh, Datro Fafana as well ended up going to Leipzig instead of instead of Strasbourg. Hudson Odoi again, eventually, yeah, uh, out of favour at Chelsea, sold to Nottingham Forest instead. Andre Santos as well ended up on loan at Nottingham Forest, and uh, Ruben Loftus Cheek as well was mentioned at, at one time. Uh, now playing in Italy with Milan, but yeah, I think it's not really panned out in the way people thought it was just going to be. You know, a loan club, Stra uh, Strasbourg are just going to be taking Chelsea's players on loan. I think it's more that Chelsea are looking to target the talent and develop them with Strasbourg as opposed to loaning their own players from Chelsea to Strasbourg. I think they're signing players to Strasbourg to avoid FFP with Chelsea. And then when they become good enough, they'll, you know, pass them on to Chelsea for, you know, undisclosed fee or something. Yeah. <laughs> if it, yeah, if it ever gets to that, if it ever, if any of the talent ever comes good, you know, we're both French football lovers, James. Mm -hmm. And recent days, rumours with Lequith Lincoln will steal of Rance with mm -hmm. Championship Club Sunderland. And the way mm -hmm. you talk about this relationship with Chelsea, does does it reflect bad on Liga or that these solid deals are happening? Yeah, I think uh I think the LFP uh, has to do a little bit more to you know stop this before it becomes into you know PSG, uh, Lille and Lyon, and then you know thirteen ever uh, thirteen other Premier League B teams. You know it's going to be yeah, it doesn't reflect well on the league at all. I I, I get you know the mon money isn't as big as you know Premier League, Bundesliga, La Liga, TV deals. Um, you know a lot of these clubs particularly at the bottom end of league league uh, sort of running a very tight budget for you know uh, some of them compared to like uh 
League One, League Two teams uh, in terms of you know annual annual budget, annual spend. Um, it's not that it, yeah, it could it could turn bad pretty quick. Yeah, yeah. as you said, it will naturally have a knock-on effect to the national team eventually. Yeah, yeah. So um, it might end up being, you know, a a situation like uh, we see with with African sort of academies, where you know they'll bring in the best talent from you know Senegal or Cote d'Ivoire, and then as soon as they turn, you know, eighteen or nineteen. And you know they're showing massive potential. They're just going to go abroad because they know they can get more money there. They know they can develop better there, and they're going to be shown on a wider stage. So it may it may end up, you know, a, a feeder league if you if you get yeah. The league of talents to the league of yeah. feeders. You had a busy transfer window, James, in the summer. Are you expecting it to be the same in January? Um. I mean, Strasbourg aren't, you know, the, the league position at the moment, um, it's sort, it's very tight around the middle of the table. You know, I think Strasbourg are 10th at the moment. It could easily be, you know, one or two points dropped and you're in the relegation zone. Uh, uh, you know, and then there's teams in the relegation zone like Lyon that you just wouldn't really expect them, like, to, to finish. I don't know, having a bad season, but can we really see Lyon being relegated this season? I, you know, I think at some point they have to pick it up. You know, you know, there's too much talent there to end up relegated, uh, in my opinion. But yeah, so it, it's like I think Bluco will be very wary that they're sort of hanging in and about the lower ends of the table. Uh, you know, you need to be sort of safe at some point. Uh, before the last day of the season, I don't think they'll want to be, you know, having the stress of, uh, you know, staying up on the last day like it was last year. Um, it's, um, I, I think they will invest some money, but they'll also be looking at. Uh, you'd hope that they look at what they did in the summer, you know, bringing in all of these really, really young players under twenty ones. Um, maybe a little bit of experience, uh, an experienced forward wouldn't go amiss, especially, like you said, with the lack of goals. Um, and, you know, I think only 20 goals conceded. I say only 20 goals, but, you know, Matt Sells is doing a lot of heavy lifting there. He's bailed us out like he has done for so many seasons. He's terrific, isn't he? Uh, Very underrated. Unbelievable goalkeeper. I can't believe he hasn't been, you know, spotted or scouted by a you know, a, a European club yet because, um, you know, I think his his save statistics are, are incredible. And, you know, without him last season, we would have been dead and buried a lot sooner than, uh, you know, we would have been relegated well before final day um, if, it wasn't, if it wasn't for his heroics last season. Yeah. <laughs> and coming on to that, it alludes to some of your players. We might have some Chelsea fans listening to us, mm-hmm. James. They might be eager to know how the little nursery is going. <laughs> Do you feel you've any players in your ranks at the minute that could make the jump to Chelsea eventually? Well, I don't want to sell off all of our talent all straight <laughs> away. <laughs> so, you know, but um, I think so far, yeah, I've... I've picked up two players which I think not for now but maybe in a year or two years um, could you know 
be targets for you know Boli and Pochettino if he's still there, of course. Um, so the first one would be uh, Abakar Silla. He our re- he was our record signing this summer, uh, twenty million pound centre back from Bruges. Um, really, he, he he looks good. He scored the winner on the weekend, ninetieth uh, minute winner against uh, Le Havre, and um, you know I think he's. Uh, I've looked at the stats because I was thinking, for this guy, he's he's strong. He can tackle. He can intercept. It turns out, yeah, he completes 4.3 tackles per 90 that's top one percent across um across the top five leagues for center backs you know he's a top 10 percent interceptor as well per 90 um plays he's already a Cote d'Ivoire full international 20 years old six foot two um yeah he, he he looks good he could be a, he could be a player um but obviously don't want to move him on too soon otherwise it could end up being like a Malang Sar. I think he's still on the books at Chelsea. I can't. I can't remember the last time he played. Looked a really good talent, um, and then you know, where's he gone now? I think there was a there was a clip last season of someone asking Pochettino, "Has he heard of Malang Sar?" And he's like, "No," <laughs> but he's he's literally in training. So <laughs> I don't. And yeah. And then there's uh, Habib Diara. So Habib Diara actually came through the Strasbourg Academy. Uh, he's you know. He was native, born in Senegal, but I think he's been in the Strasbourg Academy for for some years now. He's, you know, 19 years old, progressive midfielder. You know, he doesn't he he receives the ball and he runs forward. That's that's his game, and uh, he's got a fair for Strasbourg's few goals and assists this season. He's a uh, He's contributed one goal and one assist this season from the you know 14. But I think last season he really shone and he was getting quite a lot of attention over the summer um, alongside John Rickner Belgard, who ended up at Wolves. Um, I think Habib Diarro was also linked with you know Man United at one point. You know they were looking at him, um, but he did just sign a new contract with us. So I think that's you know Bluco looking. To you know, worn off. You know, he's 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 Strasbourg's for now, and when he's good enough, I think he he's definitely going to be on the radar for Chelsea. Belgard had yeah. a great start to the season before he moved to Wolves. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, the 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 statistics uh, for our goals and and you know, the goals and it's influenced by Belgard. I think. In the first three games before he ended up being sold, he, it was something like two goals, two assists in in three games. It was just unbelievable. I think you know he had a good end to last season, but he really, really kicked on at the beginning. And I think that I think Wolves were like, you know, it's now or never. You know, we've got to get him while he's in form. Um, and I, you know, I think it worked out well for Strasbourg because you know I think they got. I think it, you know, it's a fair price we we got for him. You know, it, I think the money goes well before Bluco with their billions came in. It would have gone a long way the money, but I think now it's a bit of a drop in the ocean. And fans are like, you know, we we why we don't need the money? Why have we sold our talent? But I think for the market value, it was a fair price. He did actually. So Belgard was kind of becoming this fan favorite. And then obviously he was sold, and they and Wolves shot the they shot the launch video, the reveal of um, 
Bellegarde in the, in Stade de la Menou. And I think that rubbed a lot of fans the, lo- the wrong way. Like he's wearing a Wolves shirt inside the club that, you know, got him this big Premier League move and all the money he's now going to get in the Premier League. And he's, you know, putting on a Wolves shirt inside the stands that, you know, have respected him for so long. Yeah, it's a little bit, you know, leaves a sour taste in the mouth. But um, yeah, I think it's good to see him doing so well at Wolves as well. Um, I think, you know, I think the Wolves fans are already looking at him thinking, you know, we've we've got a talent here. And you mentioned the fans there and the reaction. It's it been a roller coaster a few months. When you look at La Liga, Girona, part of the city group flying, their mm-hmm. fans seem happy at the minute. They don't seem to, mm-hmm. to remember the part of the Manchester City pyramid. Is there a chance if Strasbourg repeated such heroics in Liga or would the fans be more? joyful about Todd Bowley and Bluco. So I think the frustration is, you know, much the same as what's happening at Chelsea at the moment is there's been lots of investment, but almost in the wrong way. Like it's not, you know, football's not a sport where you can just throw money, get the best talents from all the world, from the, from Europe, stick them in a team, and you're automatically gonna, you know, have the best players for the next ten years. That's not how that's not how it works. You have to get players that fit into a system with a manager who has his system that knows the players he wants and the type of you know profiles that fit the system. I don't think with Patrick Vieira there is a clear identity in the club. Uh, there's no footballing. You, you can't point to Strasbourg and be like, you know, these guys press high. These guys, you know, quick passing, tiki-taka. There's nothing, there's nothing like this with Strasbourg at the moment. It's kind of just, you know, put the players on the pitch and hope they score a goal at some point. Uh, but so far, it's not, it's not been like uh, what we've seen at Trois uh, with with the City Group. I think they've the City Group doesn't seem to invest like they do in in other clubs in the City Group at Trois. I think uh, Girona have you know got quite lucky so far i'm not I'm, i have to say i haven't um been following la liga that closely i know they're doing really well top of the league beat barcelona the other week i think um um it's i i'm not sure if it came out of nowhere if it's going to be unexpected at girona but um you know if they've had investment from the city group then fair play to them but i don't i don't think the same can be said for trois i know they were they were relegated last year i think they've got you know, got to stick it out in League 2 um, this season. Um, but yeah, I think for for Strasbourg fans, you know, if the results start going some way, some ways, then, you know, some of the fans will be happy. But I know the ultras are very much of the opinion that as long as we are in a multi-club ownership, we're not going to be happy ever. And, you know, we're going to continue to fight against them. I think even if Strasbourg ended up, you know, winning the league one season, should we say. I'm not sure all of the ultras would be ecstatic because it's like, um, it's the way you win stuff, right? Uh, you know, there's there's the fairy tale story of, you know, a club coming out of nowhere using good, um, you know, money ball tactics like Brentford and Brighton. Um, and then there's, you know, 
we're just going to chuck 300 million euros at the club and uh, you're instantly, you know, going to be pushed up the league. But to be fair, as we've seen with Chelsea, throwing money, infinite money at, at a club doesn't necessarily bring titles and success. So, yeah, I think it remains to be seen um, how how Strasbourg can, can fare under the, the Bowley regime. And I think you hit the nail on the head, you know, this youthful abandon, only data-driven to lose have mm-hmm. a younger side than Strasbourg and Ligue 1. And Chelsea already have the younger side in the Premier League. 24.4 is the average age. Mm-hmm. Like, so young. It's basically Thiago Silva, Ram Sterling and a, a gang of kids. And like <laughs> you've said, the nuances of football. Mm-hmm. These youngsters yeah. coming through, they need mentors around them yeah. to keep them on the straight and narrow. Be it in the football life or the outside life too, that you don't fall into the trappings mm-hmm. that fame and money bring your way. Have you noticed a, a change in atmosphere all in Strasbourg? Is it is this animosity from the ultras notable at most home games? Um, I think so. F- until the end of last season, even through bad form, even you know when we were in the relegation zone with with only you know a few games to play um you know needing wins because we we otherwise we would have been you know dead and buried i think the, you know we were selling out at home every week season ticket holders uh, you know t- tickets going for double the price on um you know on the resale websites um you know even when we were really really playing badly the the ultras were there the you know the family fans were there people from the city wanted to go i think now you look at you know we've been for a bit of a rough patch recently not picking up many wins Rav was uh, was was a good win on the weekend but um yeah it's been it's been a tough patch and you can see that even though you can say all the tickets were sold not everyone who owns a season ticket is turning up. There are gaps in the stands. There are, you know, the, you, you can see a few empty seats here and there. And that's, you know, it's sad because Strasbourg is one of the few clubs in France, along with Lens and Marseille, that actually sell out most of their games. Um, you know, it's a, it's a really big footballing city from a region with only one major successful club uh, you know the catchment area is huge. The you know the fan base is huge. Strasbourg, one of the biggest cities in in France, definitely in the east of France. Um, and to see empty seats in a stadium that holds just under thirty thousand, it's like this, you know this is what you're doing to the club, Bluco. Like, yeah. It's and then I think there's been a few boycotts as well recently you know the ultras particularly protesting against the uh the lack of vision for the club the uh the identity that's being almost ripped out of of the club itself the you know the essence that made and that makes strasbourg such a unique club and now it's just like uh any other multi-club you know multi-club ownership yeah. club and when you look across the league, once Jim Radcliffe gets into Manchester United, will the same mm-hmm. fate befall Nice? 
Yeah, so I think at the moment he's got like a minor stake in Manchester United. But yeah, if that ever becomes a major stake, then we could be looking at the same sort of thing. Uh, Lorient already under the same ownership as Bournemouth. Trois under the same ownership of uh, Man City. Um, you know, it's it, it could be that Nice become sort of Nice to Man United is Strasbourg to Chelsea. Um, but, but yeah, I, I think yeah, it doesn't reflect well on the league, as as I said. Um, yeah. Thank you so much, James, for that insight into the tra- Strasbourg perspective, because we've heard so much, you know, about the Chelsea side and the multi-club model for world domination, but the ripple effects that it has to your everyday fan and a very unique silly. Where can our listeners, James, hear more and read more of your fantastic work and your insights? So um, you can read some of my articles on Get French Football News. It's been a while since I've since I've actually posted anything with them. It's been uh, yeah yeah. I posted something over the summer about you know my thoughts as a Strasbourg fan on the Blue Coat takeover. Um, I should be posting. I should be getting in contact with them soon to kind of you know give an update like I've given to you now. Put it down in words. Um, make it a bit, a bit more you know uh, you know give it a bit more uh thought you know rather than just speaking off the tongue but um yeah no i should be posting something soon with get french football news um that's probably the best place to to find me fantastic james i'll put the link to your twitter x whatever we call uh-huh. it now in the show <laughs> notes too thanks so much for your time we can't wait to have you on your tales again and hopefully there will be some happier times for Strasbourg when we catch up next time. Uh, let's hope so. <laughs> Best of luck for the rest of the season, my friend. All right. Thank you very much. You're listening to Eurotales, where European football stories are explored one at a time. Make sure you subscribe so you never miss an episode. Thank you so much, James, for that unique insight. Ligue 1, of course, is fertile fishing grounds for talent, but nature and football at times are eerily similar. If French football is overfished by this multi-club model, European football will lose a unique ecosystem. There's just some things money can't buy. Look at the reaction of the ultras. Let's hope for all parties involved the world of football does something about this multi-club model before the fabric of unique clubs like Strasbourg are torn apart. There are some things money just cannot buy. The links to James Twiller and his article he wrote about the takeover of Strasbourg last summer are in the show notes. Well, that's all we've got time for. Just any other business at the end of the podcast, I wish you all to have an absolute fantastic Christmas with your loved ones. Enjoy the football action, but also take a break and be present in the moment. Thanks to you guys, we've been signed by the Sports Social Podcast Network. So the podcast is growing. But all I ask, if you can give us a Christmas present to us at your tales, give us a five-star review 
write us a comment. It's a long time since we had one. And that will help us attract guests of the caliber of James and all the other people we've had so far this season. Thank you so much to all our guests that have made 2023 a big year for your tales. Have a fantastic festive period and we hope to speak again soon. Thanks for listening. Don't miss us between episodes. Simply follow our socials, links in the show notes, or simply search at EuroTalesPod on Twitter. EuroTales. Podcast Network.